Well, we're going to be concluding this study that I've been uh, having for a couple of weeks on the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit. You know, this has kind of been our ongoing theme. Living in the Spirit requires a proper understanding of the Spirit. We talked about that twice. Uh, what I want you to do is I'd like you to take a moment, and I would like you to take, uh, grab your announcement sheet on the back of the announcement sheet. You'll notice that uh, there's a point one and a point two. There are two points that I thought were relevant about understanding the person of the Ruach. I'm going to ask you to take a few moments and to write out those two points. And I will watch and see the response. So take a few moments, write out on the back of the announcement sheet, what are the two basic understandings of the person of the Ruach? And if you weren't here, Alan Zemsky's back north to experience the cold before he goes back to Florida. So he's not going to know this, probably. Uh, but uh, if you've been here, what are the two basic understandings of the person of the Ruach that I've presented in my message? All right? And uh, we will give you the opportunity to check yourself. The first is that the Ruach of Kodesh is the power of God himself. The power of God himself. All right? The Ruach is, is uh, not another God. The Ruach is not uh, some impersonal force. The Ruach is God himself, but the idea it is God's acting power working in his creation, working in and through us. The other thing we have to keep in mind is, though, that he is non-corporeal, does not have a body. God does not have a body. Oh, God is a spirit. All right? So again, some people, when they speak of the Ruach, the Kodesh, the spirit of God, in terms of the biblical text, they almost speak of him in terms of like a fluid or something. And that is not correct. It's not correct. He is the power of God. God himself is power exerted in and through our lives. He is non-corporeal, has no physical form or substance. All right? Now, second point, how should we understand the role of the Ruach? Do you remember the three things I mentioned about the role of the Ruach? What are the three things he specifically, three things specifically I mentioned that he does uh, specifically related to us? Take a moment, and again, write them on the back of the sheet, all right? This is an exercise to see how much you retain, how much you're retaining. All right, three basic points in regards to the Ruach and his role. Uh, first, the indwelling power of God to connect us with the Father. You remember that the Ruach connects us with God the Father. All right, that's like critically important. You don't feel close to God and you do profess faith in Yeshua, then there's issues re related to your relationship with God. Flat out, bottom line, all right? The Ruach's purpose is to connect us with God. Two, the indwelling power of God, the Ruach's power, uh, role to convict us of sin. So again, if you don't feel all that connected to God, I would recommend you spend some time confessing sin. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. How do you come into right relationship with God? You realize you're sinful and that your sin has made it impossible for you to come into relationship with God on your own. 
You know, if you don't care about your sin, then you probably are not a believer in Yeshua. All right? If you really don't care about your sin, you're probably not a believer in Yeshua because the role of the Spirit is to bring us into closer relationship with God. The role of the Ruach is truly to connect us more and more with God the Father. And that means He's going to be convicting you of your sin so that you can get closer to Him. Do you like, you know, the illustration I used, I think, possibly? Can't remember. But anyway, it could work. You know, if you have a problem with a relationship on earth, let's say that Matthew and Shoshana are having a fight. I don't know, maybe it happens, okay. And their relationship is broken. They need, the two of them, at least two of them, because they're married, but let's say it's really, it's Matthew being stubborn. He refuses to put his shoes away. He refuses to put his shoes away. He absolutely refuses, and Shoshana's asked him nicely, and asked him, and asked him, he refuses to do it. And she says, I'm upset with you. And he says, I don't care if you're upset with me. Their relationship is broken. Now, if Matt doesn't care about his relationship with Shoshana, then they will maintain that separation. Going out date nights are no fun anymore because Matthew plays with his video games on his phone and Shoshana stares out the window wondering, what happened, what happened? But finally, hopefully, Matt will come to a census and realize I need to repent because I want to be in relationship with Shoshana, so I'm going to put my shoes away. That's a very simple illustration. God wants us to be in relationship with him but we have to be in relationship with him based on his instructions on, on how we connect with him. If, if we know that there are things in our lives that God doesn't want us to be doing or we know that we're engaged in activities or have values or whatever, not consistent with his expectations, that blocks our relationship, we need to repent of that. We need to admit that it's wrong and, and do what God says. If we don't care and we, not, and we just don't care, there's a good chance... We don't, we don't have a relationship with God at all. And we've talked about that. That will Ultimately, those who do not have a relationship with God at all will spend eternity separated from God in a place the Scripture calls hell. All right? Sheol, Gehenna. You can use all kinds of nasty terms, but the point is, is that eternity will be a very bad place because you will spend it separated from God forever. But if you don't care now, then why should you care then except for it's going to be miserable. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. The Spirit's there to convict you of sin so that your relationship with God will get better and better and better all the time. So that your connection with God is ever more secure and encouraging for you. The last role to unite us with other believers. And we're going to talk about that later on when we get back into the book of Galatians. Right now I'm going to ask David if he would show a video, short video, related to the last thing I want to kind of emphasize here. For those of you who are looking for something short and sweet, we deliver it this morning. Is there more to life than just working? Yes, there's also the complaining about work, the nightly periods of unconsciousness, and sweet, sweet death. Maybe I should have kids. To share the joy. Lately, every person I deal with seems to disappoint me. 
Every meeting starts late. Every answer is misleading. Every deadline is ignored. And all work is shoddily done. I I guess what I'm saying is that today, I need some empathy. You are totally blocking my view of the wall. Okay. Well, this morning what I want to do is talk a little bit about listening. You know, uh, poor Dilbert, uh, that dog's never going to listen to anything he says and provide any kind of encouragement. Uh, But don't you think you appreciate it when people listen to you? Do you like it when people listen to you? Parents, don't you like it when your kids listen to you? Yes. Uh, I think that listening is important. Do you, do you know that God is trying to talk with you? Do you know that God is trying to communicate with you? How good are you at listening to God? How good are you at listening to God? Listening for Him. Patiently listening for Him to communicate to you. You ever realize or thought about the fact that God wants to talk to you? This morning I want to focus on, on the idea of, of listening, listening to the Spirit of God uh, in this last part of this whole series before we get into the book of Galatians. And uh, I want to use the same basic format, why is the Ruach HaKodesh important for us uh, in doing this? And I want us to go to a couple of texts. So take out your scriptures and we're going to look at a few texts together. Uh, First, we're going to look at the issue of God's power not to be ignored. Take a look at uh, the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. It's a great chapter on the, the Ruach and this amazing relationship that we can have with God if we desire to. We've truly become believers and we're willing to uh, live, God, live our lives God's way. But uh, in this whole section which deals with life in the Spirit, which is what the text says, we're on page 1078, page 1078. In verses 5 through 8, uh, there's a little bit of a warning that's given that I want us to, uh, to think about. Again, this is Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. It says, For those who live according to the flesh... Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Ruach set their minds on the things of the Ruach. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Ruach is life and shalom. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit itself to the law of God, for it cannot. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Right? When it comes to God... I suppose if uh, you were, uh, you know, going through your life and suddenly God, like, wrote something in the sky and and put your name at the front of it and uh, gave you some specific instruction, that that might really grab your attention. It might cause you to pause. It might cause you to, to consider a different approach to life. Because it's so obvious, it's written in the sky. Uh, but yet, it's interesting, you know, we're going through the Parashot, right? So we just finished Truma, or we're on Truma today. Our people were wandering through the desert, and God was writing stuff in the sky all the time. And how did they respond to it? Generally, they ignored it. 
They ignored it. They almost grew weary of the signs and wonders. They didn't really believe. It's easy for us to ignore God. It's easy for us to ignore the Ruach, the Spirit of God, within us. Remember, the Ruach's role is to connect us. If we have lives and values and priorities that are basically fleshly, meaning they're terrestrial, more than likely we are ignoring what the Spirit of God is trying to, to tell us and to lead us in. You ever thought about that? We may not intentionally think we're ignoring the Spirit of God in our lives, trying to lead us or teach us, but if we are not careful at the priorities and the values and the objective, our object, objectives of our lives are basically terrestrial and fleshly, it's very easy, unfortunately, for us to be ignoring the Spirit of God and His leading in our lives. You know, there's a couple of verses down I'm just going to mention, but I'm also going to go to some other texts here, and we're going to wrap this up because, again, I don't have much time today. But Ephesians chapter 40. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 40. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Some of you are alert. I heard some of you. Ephesians 4.30, this is page 1,121. Page 1,121. This is a whole section upon putting off the old, which is the old flesh, the old way of doing things, and putting on the new, which is directly related to, the, to, to submitting to the Spirit of God in our lives, to, to relying on the Spirit of God in our lives. In verse 30 it says, in the midst of all this, do not grieve the Ruach HaChodesh of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The word grieve there means to sadden. means to sadden. Have you ever thought that you sadden God by the decisions and the choices you make that are inconsistent with his values and scriptures and directions for your life? It goes to how do you view the Ruach? If it's an impersonal force, if the Ruach is an impersonal force, then probably you never thought about doing something that would emotionally impact God. But that's the point. The, ter- the word grief there literally means to sadden, to make sorrow. It has an emotional edge to it. When you read through the Torah, you see that God gets emotional all the time with people. He loves them. He gets upset with them. The term grieving God shows up throughout the prophetic literature, shows up also in the Torah. Generally, it's because the people are doing things that that are not what God would want them to do. Do kids do that to us? Yeah. Do we do that to our parents? Yeah. Yeah. Got to be careful about grieving God, sad, making God sad by our choices. Take a look at the last uh, point here, the idea of quenching. You know, grieving makes God sad, all right? It's literally what that word is. Take a look at this. 
This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, okay, it's verse, uh, verse 19. Again, page 1,133. This is a section all about, you know, this latter section is basically believers within community and how they're supposed to act. And then in verse 19, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, very short verse, it literally says, do not quench the Spirit. The, the word quench there literally means do not put out the Spirit. Do not put out. Do not suppress. Do not stifle. How do you stifle the Spirit of God in your life? Biblical text says we can do it. It says we can do it. I would imagine if, it's, if we want to think in terms of a continuum because you've got a nor grieve and quench. If you're going through your life and your focus is simply terrestrial, I want my life to count for me. <laughs> I want my life to count for me. I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to go to good schools. I'm going to have a great career. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to find the most beautiful person in the world to marry who will make me happy. I'm going to have kids that will make me look good. I'm going to have a career that makes my life fantastic. Not only are you therefore actually qualified as a complete and total narcissist, but you will also find out that if you profess faith in Jesus and you say you believe in the God of Israel, that you probably are ignoring him, grieving him, and more than likely if you get through at least a decade or two of your life with this kind of an attitude, you pretty much shut him down in your life and quenched him. Spirit of God is just not able to have any do anything with you. God desires for us to be in relationship with Him. It says in the Hebrew Scriptures. I mean, again, we've got examples, and there's so many examples. I'll just mention them. Is when the people started to grieve God. When our people started to grieve God, coming through the deserts, what did He do? He sent snakes. <laughs> to get their attention. Later on, when they're in the land, he sent Canaanites and, and Moabites and uh, all kinds of different groups in to enslave them, the Philistines, to get their attention. Ultimately, the Babylonians and the Assyrians to get their attention. In the New Covenant text, when people did that, God, God demonstrated discipline, some of that very... Stern, and it, and it talks about people getting sick and even dying. God desires that we're in relationship with Him. And if we're ignoring Him and grieving Him, God sometimes makes a decision that He will bring terrible things into our lives to get our attention. And if you don't care, you don't care. But it's very possible that the circumstances will get worse and worse. That's really what the book of Deuteronomy, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, that's what it says about our people. And we are indeed a stubborn lot. And God will bring discipline because he wants us to change. God is a great parent. Good parents discipline their children. And when they don't listen, they have to keep disciplining. All right? Hopefully they get better and they learn that it's actually, parents actually know what they're talking about. But God is a perfect parent. And God will ultimately do what is necessary to get people's attention. 
One of the reasons that I know that some people are indeed true believers is that there's tremendous discipline going on in their lives. And I know that ultimately God is going to get a hold of them. When I see somebody and they're, they profess faith in Yeshua, they say they believe in God, but they're not living the way a believer should live. And yet I don't see any discipline. I don't see any difficulties. I kind of just assume they're not actually believers. That they really don't take it seriously. And they're really not connected to God through the Ruach. You see, the Ruach serves as a personal witness of our actual relationship with God. That's what's amazing. According to what the New Covenant teaches, which is really an extension and a clarification of what we see in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Ruach HaKodesh in us is a personal witness of God's relationship with us. If you feel guilty when you sin, you should thank God. (laughs) Okay, That means, besides having a conscience... It means that the Ruach, the Spirit of God, is in you and he is doing his job to convict you of sin. Confess your sin and rejoice in the Lord. It's a personal witness. But the main point I want to get across this morning has to do with the listening aspect of that. Because if the Ruach is personal and the Ruach is the power of God in us to transform us, as we talked about last week, the question is, are we listening for him. Are we listening for him? All right. Are you listening for him to speak into your life? Before I was a believer in Yeshua, I wanted to be extremely successful in life. I was going to become a businessman and a politician, and I was moving in those directions out in California. When I became a believer in Yeshua, I realized I could do whatever God wanted me to do, and I was hoping at the time that it would be a businessman and a politician. And God said, no. <laughs> I had something else for you to do. At that moment, I could have listened to him or not. I remember I was driving down the street near my house. I had the decision to make. Was I going to do one thing or the other? And, I, and thank God I was willing to listen to, to God's voice in my life and choose his direction. I had a friend of mine, I've mentioned him on occasion, a friend of mine who actually helped me become a, become a believer in Yeshua. He was Catholic in background, and he became a believer and I ran into him, and he had a calling on his life. He didn't listen to God with his life. He ended up in an insane asylum. That's where he's at today. I use it as a crass example of choices. <laughs> Everyone who knew him said, yes, God had a calling on his life. He refused to do what God wanted him to do. And the result is what it is. We need to make sure we're actively listening to God. Actively listening. Paying attention, desiring to know, not being passive about it, but active. How do we do that? A couple of things I wrote up here. We need to understand that our priorities impact the Spirit's work in our lives. Be the very best that God wants you to be. That's different than being the very best that you want to be. When's the last time you literally said to God, God, I will do whatever you want me to do? When's the last time you held your hand up to God, in essence, put your entire life on it, and said, whatever you want? The world in which we live has values and goals and objectives that are inconsistent with God's instruction. Are you willing to lift your hand to God with everything that you are and say, God, whatever you want? Because if you're not willing to do that, 
then probably it's going to be very hard for you to listen to the Spirit's leading in your life. You'll end up ignoring God because your priorities are going to be out of step with the priorities God has for you. Along that same line, understanding that your actions impact the Spirit's work in your life. Your actions, the things that you do, the things that you do. There's sometimes a real disconnect between what we do and what we believe, what we say. That's called a hypocrite. You know, I ate too much meatloaf last night. My wife said, you are a hippo, hippo, hypocrite. And I have to say that she was right. I had two pieces of meatloaf, approximately one pound of meatloaf. Better than last time when I had three pounds. I mean, three slices. All right? I'm getting better. I'm, I really am reforming. All right? Because I got Shoshana staring at me all the time. All right? Our actions impact the Spirit's work in our lives. How are you living your life? What are the actions of your life? You know, it was a video I really wanted to show about Shabbat. You know, as Jews who believe in Yeshua, probably, unfortunately, like most Jews, we don't take advantage of God's instructions for us to set everything aside in our life and to rest. We let everything else, school, work, everything else, just close in. Our lives become a mess. It's a great video. Maybe I'll show it next week just for fun. God gives us good instructions, gives us good instructions on how best to live our lives. We need to act those instructions out for our benefit. If the actions that we take are inconsistent with God's instructions, we grieve Him. And the Spirit's not able to speak to us, and frankly, we're not listening to Him. It's, it's like uh, Jordan and I went to see this video about, about uh, oh, phones and tablets and everything. So much noise in our lives. We can't, we can't hear God. And a lot of it's, it's our own actions. You know, it's our own actions. It's our own fingers on the, on the screens that, that are preoccupying our time and our mind. We can't listen to God that way. And ultimately, our actions are grieving God, saddening Him. Do you understand that your motivations impact the Spirit's work in your life? The motivations, why you do what you do. So if we look at it, it's like your priorities are the, are the things that you value. Your actions are the things that you do. But motivations are why you do what you do. Why? What are your motivations? Why do you do what you do? Do your motivations honor God? I love that verse in the New Covenant Scriptures. Paul wrote it. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it for the glory of God. Every single thing you do, the most mundane thing you do, can be of eternal value if your motivation is to do it for the glory of God. I know people that do religious work for their own glory. There's no value whatsoever spiritually. I know people that serve God in the trades. They're carpenters or concrete guys, bricklayers. I have a whole church of these German Christians on the other side of the lake in St. Joe. These are wonderful believers. They love God with all their heart and they're all in the trades and, and they look for every opportunity to, to, to let God use them because they view it all as ministry. Do we have that motivation? Do you have that motivation? 
That should be encouraging to you. When you go to school or you go to the office or if you're Bob and you're massaging somebody, which is medicinal, just like the other medically oriented people in this room, to imagine that these things that we do that are physical have eternal spiritual value if our motivations are correct. But if not, if our motivations are wrong in what we do, ultimately we will end up quenching the Spirit of God and what the Spirit wants to do in and through us. We're not going to hear Him. And we're going to miss out on all that God wants to do in and through us. So, if you desire as a follower of Messiah Yeshua to walk in the power of the Spirit, then you must take seriously the importance of quietly listening for Him. I think next week I'm going to show this video. I encourage you, though, I know it's a bit crazy because... For those of you involved with the Aaliyah, it's going to be noisy today. But those of you with parent, as parents whose kids are going on the Aaliyah, it can be very quiet there. Take some time. Quiet yourself. Listen for the Ruach to speak to you. You're a follower of Messiah Yeshua. Listen for the Ruach to speak to you. He may bring some things up that you know already you need to talk with him about. Maybe confess. Maybe there are some priorities. Maybe there are some sins. Maybe there are some some actions that you need to give over to him. On this Shabbat, or maybe tomorrow, or when you come back on Saturday, on Monday afternoon, take some quiet time. Consider the Spirit of God, his role to lead and to teach and to encourage you, but but set time aside for listening to him. We're going to have a few moments of silence I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. We're going to end with a final song, Holy to the Lord, Holy Unto You. And uh, this is a great song for us to conclude on uh, because really the holiness of the Lord is the holiness that we can pursue in our lives if we truly desire to want to live our lives for Him.